This episode of the Seabros Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Monahans Marine. We recently partnered with Monahans and are excited to be working with a local marine business that has been serving the South Shore of Massachusetts since 1961. For decades, the crew at Monahans has been helping generations of boat owners with outboard parts, boat service, marine equipment, and fishing tackle. Their professionalism and passion for being on the water has made them one of the most reputable boating headquarters in the Northeast. Monahans is located on Washington Street in Weymouth, and they are currently a Jones Brothers and Tidewater Boats retailer and have the most well-stocked inventory of Yamaha outboards, parts, and rigging in mass. The entire staff and crew of technicians have decades of experience, and as a recent addition, Monahans has built and rigged out a brand new 4,000 square foot offshore and inshore fishing tackle shop. They are fully stocked with everything needed for offshore canyon fishing, nearshore bluefin tuna fishing, striped bass fishing, and more. We're excited to be able to use this new space as a home base to maintain our own tackle and charter fishing fleet, as well as use it as a spot to film some upcoming podcasts and workshops. As a part of this partnership, Monahans has been generous enough to give all listeners a discount on anything in their store and facility. So when shopping at Monahans, if you use promo code MBG24 at checkout, you'll receive 10% off any purchase in their tackle or marine department. To learn more about Monahans Marine, their location, boat and engine inventory, or parts, visit monahansmarine.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mass Bay Guides. Mass Bay Guides is our family-run charter fishing fleet that's based out of Situate, Massachusetts. We've been providing anglers with the ultimate fishing adventure for over 20 years. Whether you're looking to put together a multi-boat corporate fishing trip, a trip for your family, or you're an avid angler looking to catch a giant bluefin tuna, our crew will do anything it takes to make sure you and your friends and your family have a great day on the water. To book a trip with us, please visit the Mass Bay Guides website, www.massbayguides.com. You can search prices, trip information, and get the latest reports and links to our social media pages there. You can also find us directly on Facebook and Instagram and just search Mass Bay Guides. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Black Oak LED Lighting. Black Oak LED manufactures high-quality LED lighting, at a reasonable price for the fishing, boating, hunting, and military communities. If you're looking to upgrade the lighting system on your boat, Black Oak LED provides many different options of marine-grade lighting, including cockpit spreader lights, LED light bars, undergunnel lights, and underwater lights. We've had Black Oak LED lighting on both of our boats for several seasons now with zero failure, zero issues. They're an essential tool for us to help ensure safe rides home, to and from our fishing grounds in low light and poor visibility conditions. And their series of marine spreader lights are also a great tool for getting bait fish to school around your boat in the dark. If you're re-rigging your boat or outfitting a new vessel, check out Black Oak LED for your lighting systems. Make sure to use the promo code GIANTBLUEFIN for 20% off your order. This episode is brought to you by Afuera Coffee Company. Afuera Coffee Company was started by and for people who not only love exploring the outdoors, but care deeply about restoring and preserving our environments and habitats so everyone can enjoy them for years to come. To help work towards this, they donate 5% of all sales to charities and organizations currently donating to Cappins for Clean Water. 
Everything done at Afuera has sustainability as the main focus, sourcing beans from certified Rainforest Alliance farms, using compostable coffee bags, mailers, stickers, packaging, and of course, donating a portion of sales, not just profits to protect Mother Nature. It is their dream that through many small decisions, such as choosing and brewing your go-to coffee, that we can all make a substantial difference in the health and cleanliness of our world. Afuera is doing it right and makes a tasty product. If you want to give Afuera Coffee a try, visit afueracoffee.com and use promo code MASSBAYGUIDES for 15% off your first order. We have a returning guest on this episode of the podcast. Captain Dean Lambros, formerly of Canyon Runner Sport Fishing, joins us again for another great conversation. Dean talks about his favorite canyons to fish, depths that he targets at certain times of the day while trolling offshore, scary bites he's experienced, medical emergencies at sea, the most productive lures in his trolling spread, and a lot more. Dean also shares details on his new job and life after putting in 13 years working aboard the Canyon Runner boats. As a disclaimer, we recorded this episode right before the 2022 fishing season started for us. So you're going to hear Dean discuss the 2021 season a lot. Regardless, we think you're going to learn a ton from this convo and get a few laughs out of it. It's always a pleasure to sit down and talk to Dean. He's a wealth of knowledge. He has a great sense of humor, and he has an insane amount of offshore experience. Without further ado, please welcome back Captain Dean Lambros. Welcome to the Seabros Fishing Podcast, where we follow three words of wisdom. You can't catch them if you don't have a hook in the water. Always trust your instincts. And the last, you'll just have to keep listening. Stay tight. Coming off or what? Get that guy. Yo. Ooh, looking uh, sophisticated with the glasses there. Dude, this sucks. All right. You're getting okay. old, huh? Dude, I am. I am old. I am old. 30 <laughs> going on 50. <laughs> That's amazing. What's everybody doing? It's like, doing good. it's like charter captain age, like dog years. It's like... Uh, Whatever What's seven, that yeah, six and a half. Uh, what is never, it? Seven is dog seven. I never thought of it that way. It seems accurate. Dogs are seven years. That's what they identify as. <laughs> How you been? Good. I'm. I'm having a tech issue. It's okay. It's not the first time that we've experienced no. a tech issue. It's the fact that I showed up tonight. It's <laughs> a charm, right? If you are going to have the fan in the background, would you mind just uh, shutting it off? So it's that's what I'm trying to fix here. Oh my my Air- AirPods do the same thing. Like one connects and the other doesn't, then you have to reset it. Yeah, it's all good. <clears throat> oh, perfect. All right. Do you still want the fan off? Yeah, if you could, it's gonna like the video is gonna try to focus on it and make it kind of laggy. Ooh, a sword bill in the background. I know. <laughs> That's my wife's. Is it? Yeah. That's awesome. Where where'd you guys get that? She caught it in the Hudson Canyon. Ooh. Have you ever been there before? Mm-hmm. 
You should go there sometimes. I know. Place. <laughs> uh, it's good to see you. I know. You too, fellas. What's what's happening? Let's talk. Give us an update. What's what's going on? We just uh, put a new engine in our our vessel this morning. I saw we, the, we didn't I saw the it, Instagram but, upload. Yeah, so that was that went fairly flawlessly, actually. It was smooth. Yeah. So they're they're probably seventy percent reconnected. And, um, tomorrow we're gonna hopefully turn the key. We'll Perfect. see that. Um, and then boat prep, just general boat prep, is underway here. Basically, beginning now, and then we get a good stretch of weather. I think starting Saturday, we got like six or seven nice days. So we'll try to bang out as much as we can in the next week, and then we are in the water at the end of this month. So, so that means haddocks, right? Oh yeah, slimy, poopy haddock season. It's sick. Yeah. Oh, it's a blast. I mean, I, I we all love doing it for like the four weeks, and then it's all right. You know, time for something else. Yeah. Flying a uh, hundred fish a day gets a little tiresome. A hundred wet, muddy socks. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. That, that <laughs> yeah. sounds like it sucks, but it, I'd imagine it's good fishing with the charters. No, it, it is. is. Yeah. And it's been pretty close early season the last few years, so it's it's good. We're looking forward to it. Looking forward to thawing out and getting underway and doing our thing. So, so what's what's your deal? What's your uh, latest update, n- new role, life move? I've heard some rumors through the through the grapevine. Mark was on a couple weeks ago. He talked. He mentioned uh, you making a little change. So what's going on? Yeah. So big update. Um, sort of quote unquote retired from the charter boat. Um, you know, I just gave it 110% to thank my team. <laughs> um, no, I was just ready to take the next step. I got married in October 2021. And Congrats. I kind of fulfilled. Thank you. I kind of fulfilled everything I wanted to and then some. And uh, I mean, the truth is, I never really saw the private boat opportunity that I wanted. I never really found someone I allied with. And uh so next stop was just another thing. So doing the, guess we would call it consulting um, with the membership, with our service, um, working with Adam on that. So that's cool. Still kind of have a foot in the door. Um, I, I jokingly say I traded in three Simrads for three Dells um, <laughs> and uh, selling insurance. Um, so we do a lot of personal lines, commercial lines, insurance, a lot of boats. So that's cool. And, uh, we got a little startup oyster venture. Oh God. A buddy of mine have. So that's, uh, that's going to be in the Bridgeport area. So that's really cool. What's, we'll, the, na- what's the name we'll of that? See, uh, that is park city seafood, park city seafood. Yeah. Sound- DBA unknown. <laughs> sounds, sounds delightful. <laughs> That's cool. That's awesome. You still, you know, obviously keeping a foot in and I'm sure you can go whenever you want to go and that sort of thing, but that's cool. Life moves. Yeah. It's, it's time to try something else out. Uh, you know, kind of, I was there, what, 14 years full time. It's a lot. And, uh, now it's just on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, we'll see. 
we'll see. I'm very curious to see what it's going to be like to go tuna fishing or fishing in general. That's what I mean. I think going out non-professional, man. Right. Like, yeah. will I still have like the hunter killer urge to it or just sit there and roll my eyes and say, uh, we're going to give it our all. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that's kinda, cool. Kind of weird. Yeah. So that's been it, but busy. So that's really cool. Nice. How are the seminars? We had our big show in Atlantic City. Yep. And that was like gangbusters, like pretty much as good as it gets. And I think there's maybe some pent up demand and just it's the fishing shows. It, it filters out the COVID sensitive. So I think by now people that are going to get a shot in their arm are going to get a shot. The people that aren't, aren't and masks don't have to be on. So kind of just a free for all, really people are willing to go back out. Things are starting to come Go back to pre-COVID. Was everyone in a good mood? And, I mean, uh, we we only did Damon's show, and everyone was in a good mood. Great mood. I think everyone was to get outside, to mingle, out. and see fishermen, and just kind of get back to the norm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've kind of had this theory the whole time that COVID filtered out the COVID sensitive. So you kind of already are willing to be there. You want to be there, and I just think that's a big win. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, no, it was really good. We have another seminar coming up this Sunday, so it'll be the 10th. And um, that'll be a smaller venue in Long Island. It's about 100 people. Nice. Nice. I like the smaller ones. We'll, uh, we'll do that, and that'll be that'll be it. That'll be the end of the seminar series, and we'll go into the start of the bass fishing season, which will be – God, I'm kind of blanking out. April 28th or so, somewhere in there. Fish that for a couple of weeks and to the canyon. Nice. Well, be- yeah. before we go into uh, fishing, well, last season, anyways, we're going to give you a handful of rapid fire questions. All right. They're they're not Try. they're not uh, they're not going to stump you. They're 90 percent of them are fishing related, and. Okay. I don't. I don't think we did them. Did we do rapid fire no. with you last? I don't think we did one. The we last didn't. podcast it was like with him. standard format with him. Before yeah. We, before we, we just started get, doing this, just getting going. So we have a handful of questions. I'm sure they'll bring on some laughs and some excellent stories. So we're gonna get started. If you're ready. Okay. He see, he seems nervous. I know he seems very nervous. I can't tell. I can't tell. (laughs) It's the glasses making him look more nervous, or if he's just nervous. I'll take them off. (laughs) I look better. You're good. All right. First one. Have you ever been spooled before? Yes. Let's hear it. It was just. I wish it was a better story. We were cod fishing, and like we were giant fishing and cod fishing, and jigged a cod off the bottom the fish ate it okay like got it wasn't anything Stripped. like uberly dramatic other than it was pretty awesome that the bait rod <laughs> is what gets the giant bite <laughs> always three 130s that are perfectly positioned right perfect leaders <laughs> perfect everything yeah right uh, oh that actually makes me think of a story i had on a charter we uh trolled for blue fins all morning on the bank combo trip so it was tune in the morning morning troll go out east of the bank and ground fish 
And it was like one of those days where you could see them absolutely everywhere in the morning. They just weren't biting. Mm-hmm. And then we went cod fishing east of the bank, and it was like a little... It wasn't a 113H. It was like an old Jigmaster, like squitter or something was the reel that the customer yeah, like had. One crank to one inch retrieve. Co- correct. Yeah. And it was like 30, 40 pound green spot Dacron that was so <laughs> fucking salty. It was just like, it was just like a ball of salt in this thing. Yeah. We were jigging with jigs and same thing. We seeing fish all morning and bit the fucking cod jig on the way down. I just remember watching the thing get spooled and the salt was like vaporizing. Dude, it was like aerosolizing the, the salt and turning into smoke basically before the thing ended up getting spooled. That's amazing. Oh my God. I've been almost spooled several times, but never you know completely spooled to nothing yeah either break them off down by the hook or yeah pull the hook whatever all right have you ever had a poop bite <laughs> mid, yeah mid poop of course went i've had poop bites totally yeah that sucks <laughs> there's nothing worse than that it's totally just it's terrible yeah course any epic all the time spends out there no i mean nothing like crazy i was able to contain myself (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i'm gonna go down and disappear for a little bit more a little longer after this of course oh shit that's funny anybody else on the boat that's had like a really good poop bite story Mm. like come out like pants still around the ankles type of shit well literally and figuratively (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) No, fortunately, no. I did have a customer shit on the floor once. That was gross. <laughs> that was horrific. It was a, a random guy that the charter brought from the bar. And they didn't think the guy would actually show up at the boat. And they're like, oh, this guy's a random. We don't have to take him. They're like, no, no, we have to. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> he shits on the floor. Like on like, the deck, in the in, in the, the salon. salon. Like, like- he didn't make the toilet and then he proceeded to leave it there. And so the maid at the time, Ryan was with me and he was like, dude, this guy shit on the floor. It's like, well, send him up here. And I asked him, I said, like, are you an animal? He says, what do you mean? I was like, there's something wrong with your brain. Like the synapses clearly don't fire off properly. And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, that's not acceptable behavior. Like, is that what you do at your house? Like, what is wrong with you? He's like, no. I'm like, so why would you do it here? This guy was a total jerk off. I was pissed. I wow. made him sit, like, outside for the rest of the, like, in the uh, cockpit. Just like he wasn't just in case he had to shit trip. again. Well, it's just like, I don't want you in the boat. Yeah, You're an animal. Gross. That's nasty. Yeah, Man, I could so see it if you were like, he, yeah, left it. he left it there and, and walked out and pretended like it, it didn't happen. You know how gross that smells <laughs> in, like, a medium warm cabin? <laughs> foul so stuffy like 80 degrees and it was bass fish bass fishing season so the heat's on like full board. oh my god oh, oh god oh, horrible full bleach gloves oh yeah no it was bad i wouldn't that's wish that my worst so enemy just that's horrible all right poop bite that's funny uh what about scariest bite have you ever had a bite trolling whatever that's been so aggressive so fish has been so big so epic that you were legitimately scared this episode is sponsored by costa del mar 
If you didn't know already, Costa makes some of the best fishing sunglasses on the market. They have a ton of frame options and offer a wide variety of lens colors. And their 580 color enhancing polarized lens technology is tried and true. We are big fans of their blue mirror lenses for our offshore fishing charters and their green mirror lenses for inshore. They've stepped up their game big time and they offer a great new line of performance fishing apparel. We've been wearing a lot of it the past few seasons on charters. We found that all of it's well-designed, comfortable, durable, quick drying. It can handle a beating. To check out Costa's great selection of sunglasses, apparel, and wide variety of other products, visit costadelmar.com. I can't say I've really ever been truly scared. We had one incident where it was like kind of like a health emergency, like a health scare. That was like a really scary yeah. situation. And we really didn't know what was going on at the time. So it really wasn't that scary to watch the one guy, but he had his daughters with him and they wouldn't leave the guy alone. So we couldn't examine him. And the toughest part of the experience was trying to like very calmly say, uh, we can't do anything if you don't allow us to examine your father. That's a tough, that's a mm-hmm. tough situation. Yes. Yeah, and it turned out the guy ended up, um, mixing coumadin he was on blood thinners mm-hmm. and he like double dosed on dramamine and i never knew that was an issue wow and that's what the that's what it was and the guy like it almost looked like he had jaundice so like he got all like yellow in the face and his eyes started like looping back it was crazy we had to get the coast guard fortunately we weren't very far from the shoreline it was 30 minutes that felt like five hours but we got there we cruised in there the coast guard helped us out they did a very nice job, but the daughters were like really shaken up from it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Medical emergencies are no joke. Yeah. I haven't personally, you know, had a real bad experience like that. You have, you've had a heart attack on the boat. Yeah. I don't know if I told this story. Have I told the story in the podcast? I can't remember. Uh, long. Well, yeah, I guess it's kind of a long story, but basically the, we were on our way out. We were only maybe two or three miles offshore. It was kind of, it's like a two to four foot chop. And uh, the guy, this guy that came down to the boat in the morning, he just kind of just looked unhealthy overall. A little overweight, uh, looked like sweating, like profusely mm-hmm. sweating, like the minute he walked on the boat. And uh, honestly, I was keeping an eye on him the whole time because he just looked sick or he looked like really hung over or something. Something was going on. And uh, a few miles out, he kind of like walked up to the edge of the stairs where you walk down into the cabin. And he looked at me and then like looked down below. And then all of a sudden, his eyes just rolled back behind his head and he, and he just fell. He just fell back like. If you were to just stand up straight and then almost jump and land perfectly square on your back, it was the loudest, scariest like bang on the on the deck I, I think I've ever heard. Um, and I guess he ended up we ended up getting him back. Coast Guard boarded us full throttle all the way into the harbor. Um, I want to say he clawed it up, and they said because he fell so hard that actually helped his blood flow th- 
through the clot or something like Help that. Past the clot. Help past the clot. Is what? Wow. Yeah. So apparently, because he fell so hard, made him even more, um, you know, a higher percentage of survival at that point. But I guess he was still going to be fine. But it was it was to the point that he was he passed out. You know, he passed out and fell backwards, wasn't breathing. I was just about to give him CPR. And all of a sudden, he just like woke up. Like the minute I got on top of him, he just woke up and kind of like eyes rolling around, but was breathing. And and uh, it was sketchy, scary situation. But that was probably what? 12, 12 years ago. 15 years ago? 12 yeah, years ago? At least. But Did you know what was going on? No. We, we thought it was a heart attack. He was obviously un- uncon- in and out of consciousness. We called the Coast Guard. We spun the boat around. And then about halfway to the harbor, which was only like a mile and a half, the Coast Guard, uh, you know, came up and just buried the, the bow of their boat right into our stern. And uh, everybody hopped on. We are going like 16 knots. Um, and they immediately hooked him up, checked his heart rate and all of his vitals. And I believe they gave him something right away, which kind of got him to the point that he could sit up and start talking. Um, but it was, all, it, it was blurry. Honestly, it was kind of like, you know, giving him space with the, the medics. And, uh, we went all the way into the Harbor full speed docked, like as fast as we could, went right on a stretcher, right into an ambulance to the hospital. And he lived. Yeah. Crazy. Wild. So we went That's- from, we went from bite to yeah. medical emergency. So yeah. that that yeah. was a little bit of a side tangent, but that I think that was really yeah. good. Important the best conversations info. are mm. that that's always my biggest fear: not actually treating or knowing what's really going on. Yeah. That's been my biggest fear. Any sort of like medical emergency. I remember when I was first running a boat, somebody said to me, "I can't remember who said it, but always just go through like you're in your head if you were going to do an emergency drill, how it would actually go because it would yeah. go a lot faster than you think." Right. And that was always my biggest fear. How do I know the person's actually having a stroke? Or how do I know they're having a heart attack? Am I really qualified to make that assessment? I don't think I am, but, you know. No, you just kind of do the best you can with the knowledge you have right. and the people you have. I mean, this isn't health-related, but you know, growing up, we were learning how to run the boats. Um, you know, our, our father would always take a buoy, rent, we'll be steaming home from wherever macro fishing whatever. macro fishing anything and we'd, he'd take a buoy and just throw it over the side and see how long it would take us to notice one of our buoys falling over the side and it would be it would be a man overboard board drill you know and usually we'd we'd know we'd we'd see it within 100 yards from the boat but you know there was a couple times he'd do it and he'd come up and he'd tap you on the shoulder and he goes you know how many guys are on the boat and, and you know he'd ask you that you go around and you have to remember, you know, how many people have stepped on the boat in the morning. And, <clears throat> oh, by the way, I threw something over the side a half mile ago or, you know, a quarter mile ago. And you're like, oh, shit. You know, I failed that. Failed that experience. But it it made us, to, you know, stay more vigilant yeah. driving the boat. and But, I mean, that's just one little piece of it. You know, it has nothing to do with, with health, but at least kind of keeps in the back of your head you're responsible for everybody to stay on the boat yeah, just being prepared you know not just for fishing yeah absolutely um 
<clears throat> what do we got? Let me right. ask one. Let's get let's get away from the darkness here for a minute. Yeah, we're, this is going so serious. If you had unlimited funds and unlimited, like I'm talking millions, not billions, unlimited okay. unlimited funds, what would you build for a canyon capable boat? For canyon capable, only like a custom Carolina boat of some kind. It doesn't matter the builder. They're all pretty much designed on a computer anyways now. It's just really the level of fit and finish, how shiny your paint job is. Um, for a tuna boat, probably something down east, like a northern bay or something, because you got the speed and the ability to fish for anything, mm-hmm. really. Um, yeah, I would say a mix of those two. You can have you know both those types of boats. You can pretty much fish 365 days a year. So two, yeah. so two boats. I two love boats. It. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, unlimited funds, right? Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Two boats. two boats. Billions, I'd just go right, just straight helicopter. No boat, <laughs> helicopter. Uh, I think I'd add a center console with four engines just for like, you know what? Let's just rip out for the morning and... Cat, like, yeah, that's cat, true. Cat hall really center console, quads. You can make it to George's in three hours, two, two and a half, three hours. On a greasy yeah. day, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying. I mean, what, how fast was the Pescaria? We made it from uh, Welker to Hyannis in, I want to say it was like two and a half hours. Ugh, Jesus. What kind of distance is that for the class? 120. Oh, yeah, 120 miles. 110, wow. 120. That's sick. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it's, it's scary fast. Oh, That's God. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So yeah, I'm with you on on. I like Northern Bays too. They're pretty boat. There's yeah. a 36 actually right next to Fortuna, right now that have been eyeballing every time we walk past it. All, all those boats are nice. They really are, and they have like a nice. I don't know. It's in the head seat, they're a little tender, but otherwise they seem to run pretty well. Hmm. Aesthetically, they're nice. They, my eyes appreciate those boats. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of West Max. Yeah, but for down east boats. Yes, they're nice, too. Nice boat. All right. If you had to pick one lure to feed your family with, it could be a rig or a hardhead, whatever. We're going to slightly change this question. All right. Audible. Offshore lure to feed your family and an inshore lure to feed your family for the rest of your life. And this is trolling only? Anything. Anything. Any method. You can't say, um, like, dynamite or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no purse-hanger. Um, yeah, I'd like a purse-hanger. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to buy a purse-hanger, please. Um, I would say, like, a like a Sea Witch or a Joe Shoot, something yep. like that. Very versatile in all conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Islander, whatever. Wolfpack Tackle, whatever. All, all the different ones they have. The same general principle. Um, and then for something like inshore, that's tough. Like, are we talking bottom fishing too? To feed your family. Feed your family. Um, what is it like? Um, I don't even do much bottom fishing, dude. So I feel like I'm I'm outgunned here. But uh, maybe like a high low rig or something. Ooh, I feel like that's pretty versatile. Yeah, no one's high picked a rig. rig. Everyone's picked like a, you know, a high low rig is is where it's at. You catch everything. I would I would say high low high low rig with some sort of jig 
as well. Yeah, like a jig, maybe a, a little bucktail teaser, you know. So you don't have bait, at least you're catching something. Right. Yeah, I, I would like say it. those two. I like that you brought up bottom fishing because other guests immediately go to trolling, and that's probably not what I'm going to do if I need to feed my family. Yeah. No way. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last thing I'm going to do. Yeah. Plus, those bottom fish are so good to eat. Sea bass, haddock, um, those, are, those are awesome. I can't wait. All the quality, quality meat. Those black sea bass, tog, haddock, haddock. Haddock. Haddock are good. Mm. We need to freeze more haddock this spring. I know. We always say that. We used to put them in the microwave for 30 seconds. It was awesome. You're, it's like some of the best haddock. You might have said that last time we talked on this, but that's a common yeah. thing. I think Tom, dad does that. Uh, Tom Napurja. I think my dad got that when he was fishing with Tom on Big Fish. Whatever stories, dad. <laughs> Microwaved haddock. Yeah. It's awesome. God. That's your question. This is going to be when a I really ask, good... I love this. All question. right. I like I like experimenting with things, especially offshore. Um, if your boxes were full, you had all the fish you wanted, say, halfway through day one of a canyon trip. Mm-hmm. You had a, an awesome crew that didn't care, that wanted to experiment, wanted to try new things with regards to, to, to ways of fishing. Has there been anything that you've thought of or um, ways that people fish around the world that you've always wanted to try in the canyons that you've never done? Um, You know, example, kite fishing or um, trolling with something that you've never trolled before or fishing somewhere you've never fished before, bringing certain baits out there you've never brought out. Yeah. So I would love to really go like hardcore kite fishing for like weeks and learn the ins and outs of it. Yep. Not just like boxes hatched, tuners are jumping in the boat, Right. anything catches, right? Because that's always where you're experimenting. You're like, yo, we caught him on this. That's great. Um, I would love to try that for weeks to really see um, if it truly made a difference especially on those inshore bites. Cause we just get so many boats down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would love to try daytime deep dropping for extended periods of time, like truly put like three or four days in on the bottom exclusively, no trolling. Yep. Something like that. Cause I've never really gotten to do it. I've only done a handful of days like that. Yeah. And it was kind of like, when we were figuring things out, but now I feel like I understand that type of fishing better, how to rig the baits and what to look for. Um, and I would really love to try that. What's the longest, like during the day that you've deep dropped? Oh, like I've done it all day and all night in like December, I spent three days, but I'd love to do it in July. Yeah. And I'm convinced that, there's a lot of big eyes from what I've seen, like being caught around me from like the surface to like 500 feet off. I'm of, oh, sorry, from the bottom up to 500 feet off the bottom. Hmm. And I'd love to put a lot of time in doing that. And I've never done it. Yeah. We've always been very tuna centric, yellowfin. Right. That's what we're doing. 
Yeah, I mean, we run into the same issue, just like, you know, being on the bank almost every day for certain parts of the season. It's like, we'd love to just spend an entire day 100% focusing on trolling Ballyhoo, certain ways with the planer, you know, swimming mackerel, all that stuff for, an you know, a week straight when the bite is good on live bait to to try to perfect it with dead bait with dead bait on the bank on Mm -hmm. the troll you know even with the fleet around you know figure out ways to to hook them other than sitting there on an anchor but it's very as you know you can't really spend a lot of time trying different things especially when you got clients in the boat it's impossible you gotta stick to your bread and butter no absolutely that that fishing is also very interesting. You guys have, there's a lot of people that have said they've tried things like that and it doesn't produce as well. Right. Who am I to say it? I don't have the catalog of experience up there, but uh, yeah, I would love to try that. Yeah. Try a dedicated technique for something like for a week. You yeah. know, we really learn the ins and outs of it. Right. Now kite, kite fishing that you're interested in trying, are you thinking more, with bait or with artificials and trolling and doing that whole game? What do you, what are you kind of thinking? I would love to try bait fishing. I just don't think we have the volumes of bait that are easily catchable, mm-hmm. right? We get the peanut bunkers. They don't hold well. It's hard. Some guys bring the mackerels out and they don't do that well. Um, and then I really think the issue with the kite fishing is that that kite fishing is just like the green sticking it really outshines in the deep blue water. We don't see a lot of that, especially in shore. Right? So I think that's that works against you, but I feel like in a in a thick crowd, having the kites would help you a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you get all that separation from the boat with your bait. You know. I think try yeah. I think trying the whole dead flying fish on the kite. And putting actually putting time in a full spread, you know, a couple of those things out and a few fat flat lines and actually spending some time drifting. Yeah. Fishing that way. I think it would, I think it would be sick. I mean, even just dead squids too, you know, this is just the Absolutely. stuff that I think about at night, mm. you know, all these weird things that I've always wanted to try that I probably will never get a chance to try because we're always going out there on a mission, you know. It's just different. I, I don't know. I think sometimes when the crowds get in there, you can't outsmart them. You just have to hope that Chum brings them up. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like you see that common denominator everywhere with tunas that when there's a crowd there, the bait's out producing the trolling, generally speaking, mm-hmm. unless you're in a situation with a lot of tide. Hmm. I don't know. Have you been a- been able to jig any other types of bait in the canyons besides squid? Sometimes you'll see the sardines and, and mackerels, but we don't sit there and hunt for this stuff. You know, it's kind of just like, oh, here, there's the bait. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've caught so well over the years where the bait's around you. A lot of times what we'll do is like I'll drive around at night and I'll leave with the low side of my sounder, like zero to 900. And then I see clouds of bait, I'll come back there around dark. And if I can't see them, find them again, I won't fish there. But if I do see them and they'll start like as the sun sets and they'll start to ascend, I'll set up in that area. Generally, you have a tuna interception, and that'll be the start of our fishing. A lot of times we do that uh, early season with sharking when the water wasn't quite up on the bank or on the flats. I would sit in the deep water, in the warm water, and you could put a catch together. Hmm. 
you know, around that with the sharks. Yep. I don't know. We've tried so many different things and seen so many different conditions that you hope it makes sense. It doesn't always. Mm. I love brainstorming that stuff. If someone does have the time, unlimited funds. Man. Give kite fishing out there a whirl. Let us know how it goes. There was, uh, <laughs> who was I just talking to at the last seminar said he kite fished for almost a whole day and he got like a dozen yellowfin kite fishing. I want to say with the yummy flyer. Mm-hmm. Which I do, you know, I doesn't that doesn't surprise me, but I'd love to uh play more with, you know, the the smaller flying fish and stuff and you know, imagine with two kites, two baits each kite, you know, a couple floating flying fish like they're doing in uh in California where they put the foam on the back and have them float. That backpack rig that Ali was talking yeah. about. Have you seen that before? They they take like a strip of uh, pipe insulation, and they mm-hmm. st- they st- like small. They strip cut maybe. it in half the long way, so they have you take whatever like a twelve inch section, depending on how big the body of the flyer is, and they cut it in half the line the long way. Yeah, and they stitch it in the back. Kind of just blends right in with the the black back of a fly- of a dead flying fish. And then they skewer the wings open. Yeah, and then they skewer it like a stick bait, and just. Far, far floater and the thing just silhouette bait up on the surface not on a kite obviously just on a flat line but yep. pretty cool idea and they they get big huh. bluefin doing it um they're pretty much only running those and dead flying fish on the kite and they're getting you know bluefin up to 300 pounds 300 pounds doing it yeah that's really interesting yeah it is. I, i've never really done it that way we've done it like you catch them at night and you put them out on the flat lines and we've had limited success. I never felt like it was like the lock and load yeah. in the canyon at night. And I've never done it during the day. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite nighttime hook bait? If you had to pick one. This episode is brought to you by Rodan Marine Systems. Technology in the marine industry seems to be improving at an exponential rate from year to year. And Rodan Marine is at the forefront of the GPS anchor and trolling motor industry. We've been running a Rodan GPS anchor on our 30-foot center console for a few seasons now, and it's been a game changer. With quick deployment and the simple push of a button, you can anchor down on a spot and stay within a few feet of your target location without having to deal with a traditional anchor, 20-plus feet of heavy chain, 400 feet of anchor line, obviously depending on how your setup is, but it's just very, very convenient and accurate. The fishing applications for using a Rodan are really endless. We find it extremely useful for both our inshore striped bass fishing as well as our offshore tuna fishing. And the customer service and support at Rodan is amazing. They offer overnight shipping on parts and are available to troubleshoot any issues that you might have We've put close to a thousand hours on our motor and have had next to no issues. Any problems or questions that we've had, the team at Rodan responded quickly and has had parts to us the next day. If you're interested in taking the next step on improving your boat's anchoring system and giving yourself an advantage when it comes to fishing, make sure you check out Rodan Marine Systems line of GPS anchors. Visit RodanMarine.com to check them out. (laughs) 
probably squid or a sardine, like, you know, 50, 50 shot. Yeah. You know, for what we're doing, the little yellow fins, that's, that's pretty solid. And then when we've had the blue fins come through, either war has been pretty good. I don't really like to say like lock into one bait over the other. Yeah. Squid or a sardine. Hmm. How about you guys? Live or squid. Yeah. If possible. We don't fish much with sardines. There's not they're, many, not they're not easy to get for us up here. Yeah, there's not many shops that Most carry them. Butterfish, we've brought uh, done well with whole butterfish, but we don't really get good stuff. I mean, it's you know, quote unquote fresh frozen, but it's not you know, right off a boat type of material. So, yeah, none of our stuff is. We don't have like high quality bait. Yeah. It just sort of is what it is. A lot of it's just frozen. Yeah. Portuguese or Spanish. So, I mean, I don't know. The live squid probably is, I would say we've had the most success with uh, with the yellowfins and big eyes at night. I mean, our reps out there are nowhere even close to yours, but that's been our preference. The times we've been out there during good night bites. Up here, I mean, we don't fish at night much. It's all day trips. Right. You know, guys get bites on kind of everything dead bait squid yeah. when the fish are coming through at night always a variety never one one specific thing i don't think how about at night bluefinning we don't do it much i know a lot of the guys uh up further north you know fishing jeffries and and maine and they're all fishing uh well not all a lot of them are fishing live squid and a lot of dead squid too um interesting yeah Rigged very similar to, you know, I guess how you would rig a, a dead squid for the canyons if you wanted to be sexy about it, making it look alive. Um, yeah, and, you know, stick stick max. Stick herring, live herring. Okay. Interesting. The buffet, the nighttime buffet. That's it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so last year... Last time we talked was 2020. You went through your, I guess, last full-time charter captain season with Canyon Runner. So kind of run us through run us through last year, the highlights, the trends, the epic trips. How'd the year go? Overall, I mean, it was a good year, right? All the departures equal the rivals, so that's successful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right? Like, I think the last two years, like covid or just economic conditions whatever it's been good for charter fishing overall i've seen we've been busy and a lot of other boats so that's always good fishing has been consistent i don't think it was nearly as good as it was for 2020 in terms of the volume of yellow fins caught for the fleet um we did okay we held our own um i want to say that i think there was a lot of high optimism going into 2021 it was still kind of covid weird like this people working from home people still kind of like living down like at the shore everyone was like hot and amped up for it fuel was still cheap and uh so we i think people were starting to catch blue fins around like locally like uh yeah the shrewsbury rocks and that new york bite area and uh, we never saw the bluefin materialize like we did the year before. It was like relatively piss poor inshore conditions, honestly. Um, 
the canyon got started a little bit later. I'm just going off memory, like um, mid to late June, so the second to third week. Then we started to see like the limits of yellowfin, and uh, and where are you guys fishing June time primarily? We were really all over the place. Like the water this year, the year before the water like set up in the Hudson, and then it just like went blue from like the Munson all the way down. Right, you just have specific sects of water, like pieces of water that were productive. This year, all the water came in from the east. And when it does that, everything gets blue. The fish can kind of go anywhere, right? So it didn't really form that natural curtain to say, like, this area is going to be good because it's a small piece of water and it's like Hudson to Tom's or something like that. Um, so it was decent fishing. It wasn't like the 20, 30, and 40 fish trips we had in the past. It was like 5 to 10, which is okay. Um, a lot of tile fishing. Um. And we moved around a lot. We went out to Monzoc for two and a half weeks this summer. Then we came back. We fished some of the t- tournaments in Ocean City and Cape May. Um, then we went back to Manuswan. And, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty consistent fishing overall. Like, good yellowfin, good big eye, but probably 30 to 40% off of what it was the year before mm. in terms of, like, overall numbers. Hmm. Interesting. I would say. But, like, still plenty good. It's just the difference between catching, like, 35 big eyes instead of 60, yeah. right? Or yeah. 800 yellowfin versus 500. It, it doesn't sound – it sounds like a lot, but it's not that much. Right. Um, we didn't catch, like, 400 bluefins. We caught 150. Um, so that was awful lot. But you can't catch what's not there, and we had some really, like – Two years ago, some really sporadic, really good action inshore, like 50 bluefin days inshore and coming home by noon. Like that's that's as good as it gets. That's yeah. just landing. Excuse on. the numbers. You know, it's not your average season. No, it wasn't. It was like crazy. Um, but 2021 overall was like – it was pretty good. It was nice that we had consistent fishing. So September and October, the fishing kind of slowed down a little bit. But we had like Wreckham Dolphin fishing. And some really good days on longfin, so it kind of balanced out. If you didn't catch the yellowfins very good, you might have caught some longfin, or you caught like forty dolphin, which is like optim like the best charter fish you can possibly get to yeah. catch. Everyone has a rod. And um, what was interesting with the charters this year is that we didn't see a lot of clients. It was like same thing we saw two years ago: father-in-law, brother-in-law, or father-in-law and the two kids. And dad, you know, something like that arrangement. Hmm. So that was cool. But uh plenty of charters. It was it was pretty solid overall. Um and we had we had decent days out there. I really can't complain. Just a lot of trips. I think it was like sixty something trips this year. <laughs> so that was like Wow. Yeah. No, that was heavy. It was good. We were we were very fortunate. And the weather was a little bit tougher too. I think that's the most negative part of the season is that we definitely had some weather days this year. Yeah. Versus the year before it was just, it never, it just didn't want to blow. It was just beautiful, flat, calm. And it was like a season of fog. Did you guys see a lot of fog this year? We didn't see a lot of fog. Fog, fog wasn't that bad. Pretty uh, normal. It was a windy, I mean, each, it seems like each spring, each early season is getting slightly windier and slightly windier. And cooler. I mean, we, were, cooler. we had some 40 degree days in the end of June. You know? Wow. Yeah. And breezy and nasty and, you know, raining. 
Not not as like much north qual- wind, east wind. Um, <clears throat> really, any direction. Just you know, fifteen to twenty. Just kind of like gross and wet. You know. Yeah. Um, High humidity. A lot of fronts coming from the west that were just lining up perfect in the morning. Like waiting for lightning to pass. Waiting for you know, big storm heads to pass. I feel like there was like th- three times a week all the way through the end of June. It was like that pretty much all the way to 4th yeah. of July. Now, what do you guys do if you guys have a day of heavy rain and thunderstorms? Depends. I mean, if it's, if it's thunder and lightning close to us, <clears throat> we're generally not on the water if we can help it. Okay. Um, if it's, if we can kind of dodge them and wait a little bit, we might start a little later or end a little earlier. Um, you know, there's times that like tuna fishing wise, we'll go out, we'll fish the morning and we know a front's coming for us. It's easy because we're only, you know, the most 35 miles from home. So we can pretty much make that call in the morning of what we need to do. Um, but, and we're always for the most part in communication with home and we have service. So it's like, we can. We have a pretty good read on weather coming from the west, you know, like if we need to dodge, like Taylor said, or we know storms are coming through, we might go fish like the northern end of the bank if we're going to miss them up there, or we'll go fish the southern end and be able to kind of tuck down into the bay if we have to. Lightning's tricky. I mean, I know you guys see it way more than we do being out in the blue water, but I mean, a lot can go wrong quickly if you happen to be struck by lightning. Lightning on the water scares the absolute shit out of me. <laughs> like almost almost as much as spiders scare me. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Do you guys, I mean, I know you deal with, with storms in the canyons quite often, but do you pretty much avoid lightning or do you just fish through whatever? Um, we, we use our heads. Yeah. There are times we'll have to take a delay. There's times where you end the trip early, um, or you don't go, you know, we kind of err on the side of caution. And there are times when things just develop or things intensify and change trajectory and you try and do the best you can with what you got. Yep. Um, I don't want to say that I'm like a cowboy or cavalier, but there are definitely times we've just had to wait out storm and it just is what it is. Right. You go inside and you know, something happens. Um, you try and get on a pot or something and just ride it out. Um, I've never had a direct lightning strike on a boat and I'm hoping you never experience that. It's kind of something you, it's better to read about than actually live through it. Yeah. The tale. Yeah. Yeah. We've never had it, but I've seen boats that have had it and it's catastrophic. It can be catastrophic. I mean, not like sinking, usually catastrophic but like all your electronics are just smoked yeah it's terrible that, that's a big fear of mine like if you do get hit with lightning what are you gonna do but uh i don't know i've also kind of taken an approach like is it better to just run around blind in zero visibility like avoiding a thunderstorm i know right? it always seems like it backs up or slows down or <laughs> whatever yeah. you're doing it's just <laughs> yeah. right on top of you right um, in terms of like fishing through it or staying out in it is one thing coming through it. I've definitely just had times where I've just slowed the boat down. If there's any wind and just kind of push through. Yeah. Just because like, why would you wait there? Like a sitting target, you might as well make tracks. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen there. 
I feel like with the electronics too now, you can kind I mean, you can, for the most part, escape systems if if you really need to. There's always times that you can't, but, you know, a lot of times you can thread between, you know, two pockets of lightning or, I mean, I'm sure your your electronics are at the point now that you know where lightning's touching down, you know, with all the, the all, weather and all the weather things you can add to your uh, radar and GPS and everything, right? Yeah, we have the, what is it, the serious weather package, right? Yeah. With the lightning and the wind tracks are helpful, but I don't know. I, I try and just kind of do the right thing. I get, what I don't like about fishing in the storms is that if it's wet and nasty out, the charter is not having a good time. Right. And then it just becomes the crew holding this group captive and (laughs) it's just not, it's just not a good thing. Yeah. But you know, sometimes if it's like the June trips are really tough or later in the season when it's just cold and like uh, foggy and like damp out muggy, like that sucks. Tell you what though, sometimes when those systems come through, the fish bite like the salmon of Capistrano. They freaking Mm -hmm. bite hard. Yeah, no, absolutely. Have you noticed if the big eyes come up? during those fronts at all or are they kind of honestly yeah i mean sometimes they'll bite on a front i i've noticed southwest has kind of been detrimental to fishing overall but otherwise we just kind of go and it is what it is like we don't really get to pick like i don't say we're only going to go fishing on three days before the full moon like you know there isn't going to be an ounce of wind so we're going to go like it just is what it is yeah. A lot of days now, I'm sure you guys see it as like, almost want to fish with 15 knots of wind because it'll just keep the crowd at bay. It'll get the mosquito fleet out of there and it's only you and a handful of boats. Thousand percent. Unfortunately, but it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Hmm. Lightning's scary. I have a buddy that was hit by lightning, Bobby. Yeah. In his shoulder, out his foot. And he got hit by a car. Yep. He's not allowed. Well, how what are the odds of that? Yeah, he's not allowed to go shark fishing with us. Next is going to be what those murder hornets. Yeah. <laughs> is, that they, is that what they are? Wow, those murder uh, hornets. Lightning. No. <laughs> lightning, lightning, and a car accident, and, and hit by a car on his first day of work when we got out of Mass Maritime. He was like, you know, showing up his orientation for whatever company he was hired by to to go work on the oil rigs and was crossed on a do not cross signal down in texas i believe and wham didn't he break his ankle oh he was messed up surgery and the whole nine yeah he's okay he's okay you know we're allowed to make light of it now since he's all right but yeah lightning so the lightning broke his ankle (laughs) (laughs) no the car broke his the car broke his ankle oh okay car hit him he flipped up over the hood over it and then he actually broke his ankle slash legs when he landed yeah he had so much force flipping flipping like a ragdoll when he landed on his feet that's when he got hurt but yeah when he got struck by lightning and went through his shoulder out his foot right yeah 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 he had like didn't he have a big burn or something in his yeah, foot he had like two little marks it's crazy yeah he has superpowers don't when talk about it too in. don't talk about it too much because he had a rub off on us <laughs> you're not kidding dude. that's uh, crazy yeah yep um so topic change back to 2021 you know fishing yeah 
not quite what it was in 2020. We kind of saw the same, yeah, same overall numbers and, you know, crowds, weather all playing a factor. You know, conditions were pretty good. Our water temperature was, you know, never got really, really hot in the bay um, throughout the <coughs> season, which was excellent. But uh, back to your season, what, what about tactics and, and tackle? I know... You know, you guys get approached by pretty much every new lure maker, tackle company, you know, whatever. Was there anything revolutionary that, you know, like you said, a shoot and a sea witch and a skirt's all the same, but was there anything that kind of helped your workflow from a charter boat perspective? Yeah, so we had this Japanese company approach us about this thing called fluorocarbon. (laughs) 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 It's a big deal. I can't talk about it. Um, No, not really. We use these, um, our buddy Jeff over on the real innovation. They opened up a uh, wolf pack tackle. So they have these great molded heads. Um, and they have these silicone skirts. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's we pretty, have, yeah. pretty yeah, badass. Um, so he gave us a box of stuff. Uh, I think the KB had some, I think the KB actually took my box. I want to put that on the record. Okay. Oh, it's official now. Uh, <laughs> but, um, we used his stuff. I, Every year, there's somebody that's going to go reinvent the tackle world. Um, Jeff did a very nice job. They did a great job with all the packaging. I think what they did most importantly is sort of take existing systems and just perfect them a little bit, just kind of like made the tolerances a little bit tighter. He's got like an interlocking um, uh, artificial tail and head system. Um Sounds and he sexual. hollowed out the tail. <laughs> don't, don't tell my wife about yeah. that. It's <laughs> all silicone. Um, so uh, it's durable for multiple did, catches, multiple bites. Uh, <laughs> not kidding. That's funny. Um, but they did a really nice job with their gear. So they gave us a bunch of their stuff in like June and July, and then we were pretty much fishing it exclusively between that and the spreader bars and the bombers. And, uh, you know, they did a nice job. So we used a lot of their stuff. It, it hasn't changed that much. You know, it yeah. seems like every handful of years, somebody comes up with like the next thing and it either sticks around or it doesn't. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's all really the same, but yeah. different. It's smaller gear, nothing really crazy. Um, the, I would say the Wolfpack tackle heads were probably the, the best. Should I mention those are available on the website? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Use coupon code Dean Ten Seabros Fifteen. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but, I'm, sure uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll end up hearing from Jeff at some point. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you guys should have him on the show. Definitely. Have you guys had him on the show? We haven't. You should have him on the show. That'd be good. That would. Um, we didn't really do anything like that revolutionary. We just fished a lot longer. We fished into November. I haven't done overnighters in November in a long time. How was that? And that was cool because we were fishing amongst the squid boats. Oh, we hooked a giant on a 16. We fought that for four and a half hours and lost oh, it gross. on 60 pound fluorocarbon. <laughs> yeah, no, oh it was gross. God. It was all up on top. Oh, uh, sickle the boat out of the was water. Apart. Uh, it, 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 it was a tough trip, too. We had like two bites. We didn't catch anything. This was like the last heroic drift. We put two rods out. I had like a feeding rod. I was working a bait out, had a bite. I missed it, put another sardine on, missed that, put another sardine on and hooked up. I'm like, whoa, we're on. And this thing just dumps the spool. 
it was a little 16, you know, so it's like three quarters of drag and <laughs> three or excuse me, three quarters of the spools out full drag, a little nervous. Like, did we set this right? I had little Joey with me, you know, do we have enough um, drag on the thing? Finally, we just started jacking up the preset and we spent like, it was another seven, seven mile drift, four and a half hours. It was insane. It was insane. <laughs> um, and we lost it. And we saw the thing on top for the last three hours. Just like uh, the line was like underneath its like peck fins and everything. Yeah. So it was just like on top. Just like, wow. Owning and it was, it was like November 2nd. So we could have been able to harvest it. You know, we were like, oh, this is it. Man versus sea. You know, we're going <laughs> to totally redeem ourselves here. Big giant tuna. It's going to be like doc, doc pics. I had, I had everything out. I had the Instagram <laughs> posts all set up. Thank everybody. <laughs> No, the big loser. And then I remember seeing the leader. It was like two and a half feet. And everyone was like, really? I'm like, we're going home. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, man. And we had to go back out the next day just to give us like a reprieve. I'm like, there's no way we can end on such a low note. During this time, guys started catching yellow fins and everything. So it was like totally missed the bite. Terrible. That's the way it goes. Fucking terrible. I'm surprised yeah, you had it on for that long with 60 pounds. That's impressive. <sighs> I'm telling you, fluorocarbon. She gets it. Try that out. <laughs> Try that stuff. This episode is brought to you by Rodan Marine Systems. This past season, we partnered up with Rodan Marine. They produce extremely high quality trolling motors slash GPS anchors. We have a 30 foot center console. It's actually a 2801 Parker with a bracket, considered a large center console. And we do a ton of anchor fishing. We fish on anchor a lot inshore in the rivers um, and inshore waters around the South Shore, Massachusetts, and throughout Cape Cod Bay, uh, live bait fishing for striped bass. Uh, we also fish on anchor a ton, I would say 75% of the time while we're offshore tuna fishing, live bait fishing, uh, we're on anchor. So having the ability to quickly stop the boat, deploy an anchor and not have to use, you know, 400 feet of anchor line and deal with swing on a tide change and not easily being able to reposition. It's kind of a no brainer for us to uh, reach out to Rodan and and see if they would um, be interested in, in putting one of their trolling motors on our boats. We've been fortunate enough to use Rodan's down in Florida uh, with a couple of our buddies who actually been on the podcast, Jason Stock and Dave White. And we were extremely impressed by them when we used them on their boats. And their boats are of comparable size to ours. So we ended up getting, you know, thanks to Rodan, we ended up getting a, their 36-volt HD GPS trolling motor with the 96-inch shaft. It seemed to be the the right size, right fit for our center console and the thing is just unbelievable. We're able to put it into the test in a variety of sea conditions. We found that, you know, anything, you know, a consistent two to four foot chop, um, as long as the wind isn't super, super gusty, we were not moving. Like our position did not change throughout the day, throughout a tide change. It really was or is truly incredible. So just a couple of things. We gave, we gave this thing a full season before, you know, we wanted to give a testimonial for it. You know, there's a lot of different 
you know, crazy products on the market. Um, technology's come a long way. And, you know, we really want to see if this thing could hold up to our charter season and the elements up here in the Northeast. And it it really impressed us. So we installed the the motor ourselves, just Taylor, uh, myself, and uh, our new mate, Ben, kid that worked for us in the 2022 season and hopefully will be with us for years to come. Um, we installed it ourselves. We decided to go with a 36-volt uh, lithium battery. It's lighter than lead acid. It requires less storage space. You don't need as many batteries. And we're actually able to get 10, I want to say 12 plus hours of runtime before we needed to charge, which is which is crazy. You know, we charge every day after each trip, but you know, if we had doubles or you know, double inshore trips or anything like that, we we really didn't have to worry about it. So some of the situations and um really benefits that we found of using a spot lock troll motor, you know, GPS anchor, trolling motor, specifically Rodan where tide changes, there's no swing. So if you know you have several hundred feet of anchor line and you're positioned on a piece of bottom there's really no movement. There is no movement at all on a tide change. So you can stay in the sweet spot for longer. The other thing is wind against tide. So, you know, they're, when they're opposite each other, it's hard to send baits out. We have little tricks that we use to try to get baits away from the boat in that situation, but it's often difficult. And many times you're only fishing or able to fish one rod. So with the, with the trolling motor anchor, you know, on the sp- on the center console, we could still fish three rods off the bow and have a full spread, and it it helped us get more bites. Absolutely, um, you know, both inshore and offshore. Uh, the support, I think, is the most impressive and most important thing with with Rodan. You know, salt water is a harsh environment. Charter fishing, you're beating you're beating your equipment up pretty good. I'm sure any other charter captains listening to this can attest to that everything breaks and you got to fix a lot of stuff yourself in order to, you know, keep going through the season and keep going trip to trip. So, uh, if we ever had an issue, which we had a couple of minor, minor wear and tear issues, Rodan overnighted us parts. Their support is unbelievable, easy to, easy to fix and, and modify things on your own. Um, just a great product. So, uh, we wanted to, we wanted to give a, you know, honest testimonial of the product, and we're really impressed. So, if you're interested in uh, in adding a a Rodan to your to your boat for this next season, you can uh, visit RodanMarine.com, and you'll see the entire lineup of their trolling motors and GPS anchors, all different shaft lengths, voltages, and uh, we think you'll be impressed. So. Check them out. It will definitely be a game changer in the way that you fish on anchor. That's I, a got, I got a question. You mentioned bombers. Um, have you played around with the Nomad deep divers at all? Everyone always is like, oh, Nomad bombers. You know, they go back and forth. Have you played with the Nomads at all? Yes, and we've caught, and they do a great job. I would say Nomad's a little more technical with their equipment. And um, it was interesting. I finally met the rep, Sean, I guess the U.S. rep. And he was showing me his product and giving me the backstory on the owner. He's this Australian guy. 
Yep. Who's really into this stuff and puts a lot of thought into it, which I think is much needed in the tackle industry. Um, another successful business guy who's, you know, again, putting his head into it. Um, and they do a great job. We use a lot of the bombers. We use the nomads. I would say probably 70% bombers, 30% nomads, but we try it all. I mean, it's, it's kind of to the point now where it's like you have like a baseline spread yeah. and you make adjustments. Like I never troll the bombers when I'm blue finning inshore. I just don't do it. Yeah. I've never had any tangible amount of bites. Like I'd rather put two tuna clones on the flat lines. Right. Um, but there's something to the catching those big eyes and the elephants when the mackerels are thick on the bombers and you'll see certain years they work better than others. Like, uh, 2016, 17, I think portions of 18, there were more squid in the canyons. So the bombers didn't work as well. In 2019 and 2021, 20, they've been working great because there's more mackerel. Hmm. Yeah. So like that, just keep changing it up till, till it sticks. Yeah. So How about you guys? Do you guys fish the nomads? We don't really, we don't fish any deep divers. Except for bass. I mean, oh, yeah. trap fishing and stuff, but, uh. Yeah, we've tried all sorts of different deep divers years ago, and same thing you experienced, just no consistency of bites. And honestly, we feel that it deters fish from eating everything else. Um, but there's also guys that, you know. Go out and put a uh, Yozuri <laughs> pencil popper. <laughs> and get a 900-pounder. Yeah. Trolling across the high ground on the bank. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, we don't fish with the like lipped lures, plugs, trolling. It's all, I mean, up here, it's all squids. We, of course, we have in the canyons and similar, you know, similar feedback to what you just provided, but up here, not too often. Soft plastics, dead bait, squid bars. Like we, right. We do well with uh, just nine inch sluggos when they're eating, they're really concentrated on sand eels. We just fish single nine-inch sluggos with tiny J-hooks way back. No weight, no nothing. Just literally hooked. Yep. the most part. Speaking of sluggos and soft plastics and wolf pack tackle, mm -hmm. you still experiencing the same catch rates last year from skirted ballyhoo to those skirted soft plastics? I know the last time we talked and you were talking about Carolina and some pink soft plastic skirt that you guys were crushing on and doing well. And you did a little compare and contrast still, still on trend with that up here. Yeah. But from everyone I spoke to, I didn't fish down there. I'm, a, I'm an office fisherman now, <laughs> but, um, the inreach hotline, right? the hotline. <laughs> those guys were fishing, uh, fishing Valley Hill huh. and they were doing a lot better. So I don't know. I mean, it just goes to show you, you think you have this stuff figured out and you don't. Yeah. You just got to kind of have a combination of everything, different colors, and, you know, just hope, pray, and wish, and maybe it comes together. Yeah. It's so strange. Running them over is the most important thing. Yeah. <laughs> fish where the fish yeah, are. It's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm still torn on all that. It, it doesn't seem to be an issue up here. More and more people are trolling with the tails and doing just fine. Yeah. Like, I don't always take the measurement of, like, the top couple of fishermen and say, okay, they're catching, so the fish are, have to be there. I mean, you do, but I try and look at, like, the do-it-yourself crowd. And if they're catching, then you know it's good fishing. This episode is also brought to you by LT Marine Products. 
Since 2011, LT Marine has been designing and developing innovative, unique, and high-quality American-made sport fishing equipment. Taylor and I have known the crew at LT since they started. Chris is a great guy. Uh, we've been using every single piece of equipment um, that he's that he's made over the last several years. Um, his rod holders are extremely heavy-duty and high-quality he has the machining equipment to be able to put your boat name on the face plates um, and do other custom work as well, which is pretty cool. Um, and recently, over the last couple of years, we've worked with him to develop some new products that have actually been very popular amongst the the northeast um, northeast fishermen, specifically offshore and uh, and tuna fishermen. So, two of those products have been. His uh his swim hook for if you're harvesting a big big giant tuna, um you know you want to take care of that fish as as best you can prior to bringing him on board. And part of that process is after the fight, swimming the fish, you know, for a certain amount of time, kind of depending on the health of the fish and and how the fight went. But usually ends up being around an hour to get all the lactic acid out of the muscles and. And give a, a better product at the end of the day when we when we sell our when we sell our fish. So we helped him design a, an affordable swim hook to be able to tow the fish behind the boat at a low speed <clears throat> and and accomplish that goal. So um, that was a pretty cool product that we that we collaborated on. And another one is uh, the new LT Marine uh, release hook. We've been doing. A lot of release fishing for giants uh, over the last couple of years with the way that the the quota has been open and closed. So we've really had a need for a way to properly revive these fish and get them back into into good health upon release. So um, if you go on the LT Marine website, you can see the release hook there. Uh, you can also go on our Instagram, Facebook, and see how we have it rigged. But it's a it's a tool that we've implemented um, into our our process aboard our boats, and and it um, it makes releasing fish a lot safer for the crew, a lot better for the fish, and um, it's a really high quality product. Um, we used it all season, never had a problem, never broke it. So definitely check out that new that new release hook. Um, from LT, um, or if you want to see any of Chris's products, visit ltmarineproducts.com. Please make sure you use the promo code CBROS for 10% off your next order. Yeah, that's a good point. I just had like the guys that are the guys that know what they're doing are going to catch regardless if mm-hmm. the fish are there. Yeah. Brain fart? Yeah, I just had something incredible that's now escaped me. Ron Z-Tails talking about fishing on the fish. Oh, yes. Fish where the fish are. So I had a question somewhere in here, or one of the topics, actually. Depths. Depths, yes. This is actually probably a good closer here, because I feel like we're going to get a lot of good info. Yeah, so I'm interested uh when you're doing like i don't know i know you get out to the canyon various times throughout the day on a trip um 
all depends on the weather, whatever, the crew, everything. For throughout the day, are you targeting different depths? Are you targeting different depths for different species? Are you targeting different depths for different times of the day? Uh, I guess it's kind of a multiple part question, but like throughout the trip, do you kind of already have plan in your head where you're spending your time on the edge? Am I making um, any sense? Yeah, absolutely. And this is a, it's, it's a point I kind of kept evading me too. I wanted to bring this out because this was a, was a learning curve this year. So, um, learning curves are the wrong word. Like it took time to just pick up on the trend. Right. So the big eyes will sit there a little deeper, generally speaking, 125 to 350 to 500 fathoms, depending on how everything sets up in the canyon. That's a generally big area. But um, I would say like two years ago, everything was 500 fathoms or so. Even if the water was like in 300 fathoms, the life was in 500 fathoms. 2020 and 2021, the water set up a little bit more on the bank. So fishing. 2020 was like 125 to 200 fathoms. It was like mm-hmm. really good. Natural, natural 125 to 200 fathoms. Right. Yeah. Which in some cases by us can be like two to three miles away, which makes a difference. 2021, it was like all bank centric. It was like on the hundred, hundred, huh. 110 fathoms. And if you got deeper, you just didn't see anything. It That's was weird. weird. And I would say, by and large, the canyon fishing crowd is big eye centric, big eye aware. Everyone's out there, big product, big product only. That's it. We're going to like hunt them down. And there was a couple of trips where the water wasn't on the bank. It was like 150 fathoms, so a few miles off the bank. And we didn't really catch well. We caught in the beginning of the trip, and I wrote it off as like morning blitz of tuna. And then we came back and we caught again in the evening. And we caught a couple in the afternoon and I was like, wow, I have totally screwed the pooch on this. You know, it was one of those like regretting moments where you're just like, wow, we did the fish were here the whole time. And I just sped off like a jerk. Um, and so we just stayed on the hundred and we caught and we caught well. And there was a couple of times that you had to fish the cold water change inside the hot water. Yeah. And it's a rare condition to see when the water sets up from the east and moves west to constantly sit in that change for extended periods of time. So like there was a couple mornings I did okay fishing a cold change, went into the hot water, didn't do anything all day, got to the hot change, got back to the change, got into the water, the cold water a mile or two and started catching, started to see things, birds and everything. Hmm. Um, so yeah, 100 Fathoms was name of the game this season, 100, 110 Fathoms. To answer your question about like specificness, specificity with like fishing um you look at general trends throughout the season and then like certain times like the odds of catching a big eye at high noon are a little bit different than the odds of catching a big eye early morning or late evening right so first three hours of light last three hours of light so we'll be a little bit deeper especially if you see a condition like pilot whales or like you see acres of skipjack in the middle of a canyon you're going to spend time there because that's a great sign right but at the same time, you do that. We've also seen some of the best yellow finning in the last two hours of dark, where you can catch forty fish. Two hours. The fish just come up, and you were inshore, and you could catch them. So, I like to look at things like look at the general trends. Remember what you're there for. 
and just try and make the most you can out of the trip. If that makes any sense. So you're varying. I mean, obviously the signs that can skew your, your thoughts, but <clears throat> are you, so say there's a two mile, two to three mile, uh, which isn't a lot when you're trolling six, seven knots, but if there's a two to three mile distance of, of that, uh, large of a change of depth, are you focusing, uh, a little higher in the middle of the day and then focusing a little deeper dawn and dusk, or are you just focusing on where you're catching and where you're seeing the life? Like if you're seeing, if you're seeing the light in that entire area, deep and shallow, are you changing depths and like, are you focusing more on, on the deeper water in the morning and dust trying to get big eyes and things like that? Or are you only going based off of, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I, I know what you're trying to say. You said the same thing twice, but I know, I, I don't know how else to explain it, I guess. Um, you're saying you're, if you're seeing life for that entire like one to two mile span, say it's a hundred to two hundred fathoms in that whole range. Yeah. Are you th- are you then going to get more specific within that to try to target certain species? Certain species. Yeah. Based on depth, if that whole depth range looks the same life wise, is that what you're right. saying? Like if it all looks the same from four hundred feet, or I'm going to say six hundred, six hundred feet out to. 2000 feet of water are you focusing on certain depths to try to get certain species or are you basically just have you just seen all species in all depths am i making any sense yeah and i would say i would just stay with the life if i was catching there and i just kept making turns over it and nothing changed it's very rare that the fish just sat in one area all day in yeah. the canyon right without some sort of change but yeah, I'll sit there and just kind of drill it out and keep it keep making laps over that journal area. If you're fishing for big eyes and you know like they came up in the morning and it's just big eye only, they'll probably come back up off that area. So if you stay within the two miles of that thing and just keep driving around, they'll come up. Yeah. Um, for yellow fins, I'll just stay with the life. Again, we're always charter fishing. So it was like, why would you leave that? Yeah, yeah. Like if you have steady and consistent action, it doesn't matter at right. the end of the day. Right. You really at the at the end of the day you're fishing for the experience, which is a tip, essentially. You know, in some order, neither here nor there. But um if it's like a commercial trip or a um trip for the tournament and you knew the, the fish came up in this area, then you're gonna grind it out and put the time in right there. Yeah. Gotcha. That's what I would say would uh would be my analysis there, but everything changes. I mean, we've had, it's funny, right? We, this is not a trip we had this year, but there was a trip like in 2020, um, the KB and I were fishing side by side and we were fishing on the Southwest corner together. And we had been the day before and had some yellow fins and the big eyes. There had been pretty decent fishing there for the last week. And he and I were the only two there and he got there and he was just big eye fishing and he had some big eyes. We were coming up from Cape May, so we started like six miles below him, and we just set, made a straight line to him, and literally we caught yellowfins like straight lining it the entire way. And when we got there, we didn't do anything. Like <laughs> it was like wow, we never even turned around, and we still had like fifteen fish. So it was like totally worth it, yeah, just to kind of make a straight line lap 
but you would never have sort of like there wasn't a slick or anything. It was just like random. They were just in that area. Um, and then we proceeded to drill that area out because like once you have double digit yellowfins, it's like enough. Yeah. And we did catch some big eyes in the morning. So yeah, we'll, 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 that's just a touch and feel thing, really. Like, see how it all works, touch and go. Like, yep. if this is working out, fine. And, and sometimes, like, everyone wants to catch the big eyes. I enjoy that, but it doesn't have to be. You catch a bunch of yellow fins, it's, it's awesome. Or you have a great long fin day or something. Right. That's a win. Yeah. Read the client. Yeah, I guess it comes down to them. How much meat do they want or, you know. That's exactly it. I mean, I've seen something we've seen, we've all seen it where customers are like, "Well, we're tuned it out. We want to go tile fishing." Like, okay, sure, yeah. whatever you want to do. Yeah. Give them a good experience, keep everybody happy, and uh, you know that's it. It's the name of the game. I think we caught our biggest one of the biggest fish we've released in the last three years, and I believe they begged us to go haddock fishing on the way home. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we did. I think we caught like no a couple dozen haddock. Yeah, it was like, well, we we could put the rods back out and try to get another nine hundred, you know, to a thousand. We don't know how big the fish was, but it was it was one hundred and twenty inches ish. Um, That's sick. That's cool. And they wanted to go haddock fishing. They got yeah. bored of haddock fishing pretty damn fast. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. Oh yeah, but, we've had it all, and, and that's and that's relatively automatic. Uh, honestly, it's, I find it pretty frustrating. Uh, I mean, there's times, there's times and times of the year and locations throughout the year that you could go there and just catch haddock, but where it's like hot and heavy fishing is, is extremely tide dependent and time of day dependent. I mean, you go there in the morning, you can get, say you limit out at 90 fish, you get 70 of them in the first two hours of the day. And then you spend the entire day trying to get the last 20 fish. Yeah. You know, no picking away. it's I like anything else in the same spot, you know, same spot, same bait. Um, and usually for us too, on those, like, you know, say we go out, you know, on a tuna trip or combo tuna, whatever, you have a good morning, good first half of the day, like Taylor says, and they want a haddock fish. Like if you truly want to try to get a limit at that point in the day, probably should go east. But west, we're mm-hmm. crossing haddock grounds anyways. So it's like, you know, it's usually picky. We usually end up we usually end up going with the picky spot if it's a yeah. if it's an audible for the second half of the day, just because we don't want to run east to run west again, especially if, if we've already yeah. had a good tuna day. It's tough because, like Brian just said, we run over a dozen haddock spots on the way to the bank, and then east of that is more haddock spots. So. Right. There's times that you kind of have to like prove out if the inshore is good that day. And it's very off and on, especially once you get into July on. I mean, you can have days you limit out in a couple hours with 100 fish and then days you get 12 all day in the same spot, you know, back to back days. So you kind of have to like, like why steam another an extra hour and a half to go way east 30 something miles to try to catch the same fish you could catch seven miles from home. It's a, it's a very like difficult uh, balance, I guess. And, and trying to make that decision, it's, it's very, you, you kind of have to try no matter what, yeah. you know, and, and to your point, it doesn't you're, always work you're out. You're charter fishing. So it's like fuel, your yeah. time, 
You get another trip the next day. You got to fix X, Y, and Z. Am I going to go east to go west again? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I don't know. I'm looking forward to making those decisions again here. Yeah, very shortly. Um, so when's uh, when's liftoff? When do you guys start up? Big boat splashes the 29th. The little boat will be in and around that same week. Trips start okay. Trips start getting going, start to get going good by May 15th, um, you know, meaning like fishing four to six days a week, haddock trips, striper trips as we get towards Memorial Day weekend. Then once we get through Memorial Day weekend, it's lock and load bass pretty much all the way to 4th of July. And then it's mostly two yeah. trips. We have a few summer ground fish trips, a handful of shark trips, but I'd say it's like the way the schedule's looking now, like seventy to seventy-five percent tuna trips from July on. It's weird. We've we've seen a shift, definitely seen a shift over the last five years of shark fishing and ground fishing becoming less and less. And I think partly is because we're not pushing those trips as much. But I just think the people, everyone's different now. You know, I think they're the way social media and Wicked Tuna and like all these, this new way of like changing the culture. Everyone wants to go out and and catch the. It's more. It's more big ex- fish. I guess the simplest way to describe it, as of late, and customers' needs, wants, expectations is it's more experience driven now. It seems than it is like meat food driven. Right. And you know, ten years ago, it was kind of the opposite. A lot of that pivoted with, you know, us not being able to harvest cod and, you know, or at least minimally harvest cod for personal consumption. But like you said, it's the experience. People want the experience of being on the water. It's not necessarily filling the freezer anymore for us anyways, you know? Yeah, we've seen the same thing. It it is. It's an experience type of event now. It's not, it's not just a meat meat trip. That's the secondary part of the trip. It really is. Mm-hmm. Huh. So you see it morphing into more of a sport, sport fish, canyon fishery. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But it's been that way since I've been on the boat, but you see less and less of the, the guy that wanted to do the all out assault meat trip. Yeah. Huh. Didn't matter. We had to kill everything. And to your point too, like that father-in-law, father, son, that crew tends to be more experience driven than the six buddies from that grew up together in the Midwest through high school that just want to go out and melee. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's not the regular now. The walleye guys, right. the walleye guys, hundred percent walleye guys. Right. <laughs> How many guys have you had on the boat that talk about walleye all day? <clears throat> we, we've had a diverse group of clientele. Over the years. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've covered uh, all sorts of things. We've had guys that excuse me, thought we were on a 24 hour fluke trip. We've, Excuse me. We had a guy a couple years ago that we thought it was truly a 24 hour trip. Like, and that's kind of a guideline for us. And like at hour 20, he was like, Oh no, I gotta be in in like four hours. Like we gotta go. It's like in the middle of the night. It's like, dude, what? <laughs> and he's like, Oh yeah, no, I got a business call. I don't, I don't care about this. Wait, we're done here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my God. That's wild. Yeah. So it's, it's just different, you know, like, Hey, we gave it our shot, but life goes on. And I get that. You know, some people just don't care. 
So that's incredible. I'm trying to think if we've had any like random escapee type fishing trips. No. Cutting trips short because of drunken disorderly. Yeah. Yeah, we've definitely done that. I think we talked about we've that. We've had a, a little few, bit actually. Few people time. complain about coming in early with giants. Yeah, we have. Like Interesting. why do you cut my day short? Well, I'm like, well, you know, we went out and we caught the one fish we're able to kill and we can't fish anymore. We met our bag limit. Yeah. Um plus it's like, what do you gotta do? Keep it on the on deck on ice all day long, baking in the sun. You know, so you I don't go, know. go catch eleven haddock. <laughs> you know, Fuck. yeah, that I can see on a like a. I've noticed that if we've had a great trip and it's like a two to three hour trip or four hour trip where it's kind of like effortless, you land on the fish and it's like then what? The guys are kind of like, can we go sightseeing? Is there something right. else we can do? Yeah. Um. So I see that again, that's, I think, experience based and like, they don't understand the time, you know, it's kind of like one of those situations where it's like, Hey, quit while you're ahead, but they don't see it that way. Yeah. 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 I mean, we offer to do other things. It's usually just, why can't we keep tuna fishing? You know, once, yeah. so, and we're not, no, that's, that, that can be tough. I, I've run into that. <clears throat> you know, it's funny. I've run into that issue with the giant fishing too. Yeah. When I was doing the North Carolina trips, the same thing. Why do we have to go in? And there's it's quite weird. a few guys that keep fishing when you're really not supposed to, which, um, I mean, catch and release is one thing, but you know, to, to, to kill a fish and commercially at, you know, you're done, should be done for the day lines out of the water. Mm-hmm. All, all you can do is follow the regulations for yourself, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So are you going to do North Carolina at all next, next winter? You think? No, not for me. Maybe the boat will go. Yeah. I'm I'm done, dude. That's, You're not even going to hop on a buddy's boat. boat or do a little commercial No, I'll fish. do some of that. I'll do some, like, freelancing uh, work with the membership, but... Tournament fish a bit? Are you still going to hop we'll on see. there? We'll, we'll see how that whole thing it's goes. keeping I mean, open-ended. We'll the price of fuel. The price of fuel is high, man. He's got all of a sudden, these guys might not want to go fishing. Are you going to Tom Brady us and then, like... 20 like we're gonna get to like may june this year i'm back i'm back i'm back boys <laughs> no 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 tom brady no, no 19 retirements can you imagine being that guy that bought the football and then oh like, what? God. Uh, that guy probably made an nft out of it no shit <laughs> no shit, no shit. <laughs> when you make a dean no refunds when you make a dean nft i don't know about that I think we need to have every guest bring a trinket, leave the trinket here, and we'll make one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Seabro's NFT. It'll just look like an old shoebox shadow box art project from like elementary school. We'll make it like a necklace with like a screen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this we'll, can't be recreated. No. Five million. <laughs> one of a kind, baby. Dean Pokemon card. <laughs> yeah. 5,000 Ethereum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what fun. else? Any other good Dude, uh, any other good topics? I mean, we've we've hit some pretty good ones. Some really good tactics shared. Some funny stories. Poop Bites. Poop Bites is a new addition to Rapid Fire. Yeah, that's, that is a new That's going to stay fun. in there. Um, I think we're... I mean, We've done a pretty good job here. We're an hour and a half in. I I have two more rapid fires. All right. Um, 
anyone in the entire world to bring fishing, famous people, let's keep it famous people, who would you bring? I've never thought of that. <laughs> That's the whole point. I of couldn't this. answer it. We asked Mark and Shark that. Mark wanted to go We're not porn stars. Yeah. Think, right? <laughs> that's how it started. <laughs> that is how that's it not started. that's not who his final answer was, though. Famous people. Yeah. I guess it doesn't have to be famous. It could be anybody. Like somebody you would love to have on the boat with you. Uh man, I don't know. Comedians, actors, actresses. Can I what? say Chris Rock, Will Smith? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Just to see what would happen. Oh, that's amazing. You guys go up on the bridge. Use a knife. You know. <laughs> hey, good luck. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Too soon? Too uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really like... Man, that's a tough one. Trying to I've never what? really equated famous people in fishing. Yeah. Like I took a, a famous sports coach fishing, fishing ones, right? And it was a meaningless event <laughs> because it was like, I don't know what you do. He yeah. was a football guy. Yeah. He's like, uh, his coaching staff brought him on this. And I'm like, dude, you're going to really enjoy fishing with me. Cause I will not ask you anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about football whatsoever. Yeah. It's like, really? I'm like, no, it sucks. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, this is cool. Uh, what, what um, did you, how'd you answer this? I said, Jim Carrey, I think. Yeah, I I don't have a specific person, just someone funny. You need, you need to have humor on the boat. Mm. Well, I have Mike. You know, I had Mike to go fishing with. Mike's hilarious. You had Mike last year, right? Yeah. He's and, been fishing with me for any five Any years. good Mike awesome. stories? Yeah, give us a good, a good Mike story. Don't do that to me. <laughs> There's so many, like, funny ones because he just pushes the limits, but, like, I've seen him really break some people. I couldn't even like really like recall an event, but like he like really knows how to break people. Like yeah. that is not someone you want to like <laughs> go up against in a fight. Like it's just not. You're not going to win. Like, you will not win. You don't want to. I've seen him break people. You don't want to rap oh, battle, Zay Jack. No, no, not at all. <laughs> What's like the 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 morning statement that he's made that you kind of just want to crawl in the cabin and close the door? Like, has he said anything to, to, to a customer that you're like, oh, my God, did you really just say that? Like, that's what my that's what our father does. He'll he'll say something and you're like, dude, get me off the boat. Immediately. Yeah. Are we going to leave the dock or yeah. <laughs> are they going to get right back in their car? You know what? I will say the, the funniest quarter about Mike is that he'll get really, really into something and he'll just like in the morning, it'll be midnight and he's just like, we're leaving on the trip and he's just going off. Like his energy level is next level. You're like, Whoa, dude, what did you eat today? Yeah. <laughs> um, he doesn't, he's good with the people. He doesn't, he says things that are slick, but he doesn't like, he doesn't say things that are just like, you know, he doesn't make like a short people joke to a dwarf, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he says the, the right things to the right yeah, people. Yeah. He yeah. can read the room. I've been on a boat with, where that was, that happened. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, just adds a little extra. How about uh, another another uh, rapid fire? We've asked all the people. Um, fishing superpower. I don't think you guys asked me this last time. We I can't didn't. remember. Um, we did not. You'll like you'll get a philosophical answer out of me. Um, 
I don't, I don't know if I really have one. I would just love to be able to like, uh, to think faster, like a fish, right? Like just be able to be one step faster in my thought process. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does make like, sense. Like, I, I don't know. Like he wants to be able to read fish's minds. That's basically what you're yeah. saying. Exactly. Yeah. Read the minds of the fish. Speaking of, of fast reactions from fish, it's, it still amazes me. You could be in six foot seas, virtually dark, and a fish can come up and eat a six inch bait skipping across the surface. No doubt. It's fucking insane. It really is. To think about. To think about that. So you want you want a, a faster reaction than that? That'd be pretty epic. I've always wanted to fish and just be able to like have the sonars around me all the time just to really see what's around me, right? Because yeah. we all have the blind bites or like, you know, fish cruising across the surface, right? We've all had those single bites where it's like pretty obvious they're like over here and they came into the spread. I'd love to see like what's around me all the time Yeah, to really see like, okay, that makes sense now. Right. Yeah. To see, And like, I don't know, like, I almost think like, like a drone would be better for that. Like just to see how much stuff is around you, you can see it, but how much is really around you. Yeah, you wonder how many schools of fish come up and don't eat anything or like how a bite materialized, you know, when you get and you get a seven banger, how many fish were there? Basically, exactly. we need we need to have a submarine capable of trolling a spread. Yeah. And have mm-hmm. some sort of like glass cockpit window out the back so that you can troll like you're the you know, the submarine's basically your planer. You want, oh go down, God, you want to go down. Think of you want to go down five hundred feet, and you turn the lights on, and you troll five, five ballyhoos at five hundred feet. Imagine that. Shit. Imagine trolling five ballyhoos at five hundred feet. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. I, there were some days where we would put our baits down very deep, yeah. um, not five hundred, but like a solid four hundred, and you would catch down there. You'd mark them. It's pretty cool. That was more off North Carolina, but same basic principle applies. I actually had a question that I didn't ask earlier. You were talking about November day chunking, I'm assuming, with sardines when you guys hooked that big giant. What, Mm -hmm. aside from knowing they're biting better on the chunk versus on the troll, is there anything that you're looking for during the day that's like, all right, we're switching over to the chunk versus we're just going to mow the lawn here with the trolling spread out? Usually the tuna trolling bite shuts off in the fall, like around 65 degree water. But that particular day, it was like the East elbow and it's set up pretty perfect for like, there were about a dozen draggers on the East elbow. The warm water, 69 degrees was on the corners. So it's like a six, seven mile run into the East elbow. When that scenario occurs, usually there's some sort of tuna action at night in the warm water. And then, in the cooler water around the draggers um, during the day. So that's pretty textbook. Like they call it the old school setup. So if you can get around the draggers and make drifts around them, the tuners will be following them. And even better if you can get behind them, like when they're coming up and sort of set your baits and you can sometimes carry the fish or just, you know, whatever. Yeah. It depends on where the fish are set up and how many fish are really there. But yeah. that's pretty textbook if you can do that. Gotcha. Do those draggers work with you guys at all, or are they they kind of just do their thing and you're just there? No, you're just merely the next volunteer. They 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 don't want you around them. 
they don't care. They want to be your friend. I mean, some people might be friendly with them, but they're, they're strictly out there to earn. They have no interest in helping anyone catch a tuna. Yeah. Most of the time. Hmm. It's cool. It is fun when the fish are honed in on the draggers. Yeah. I miss that. I do too. We haven't had that in years. And when it's, when it's like that in the bay, it can be, it just changes the game. You know, like the bay fishery right now is just getting good baits and praying, you know? Yeah. Fishing certain spots and fishing long hours, but there's no like extreme advantage right now fishing way down inside the bay that you know when we had the draggers years ago you could you could get technical and get a few more bites than others by knowing how to chum and chunk and rig baits and position the boat on you know kind of figuring out where they're hauling back and doing the same as you mentioned chumming them off the haul back and things like that yeah I don't know if we'll ever see that. Like we've seen kind of like where like things are now for us, it's everyone has a wide tracker. Everyone has a bomber. Everyone has like a Islander, Joe shoot, Wolfpack tackle, you know, like see which like that's all there. The advantages that maybe the 10% of the crowd that caught 90% of the fish, they've all been diminished. Wind on rods are regular. It's now coil carbon leaders for everyone, long leaders, um, little hooks, all of that stuff is all the same. Now you don't, Pretty much you go to any real tackle shop now. They offer quality value. Yeah. It's not like where you used to order, oh, I'm doing a big order. Now everyone has an order. Mm. And that's one of the reasons I've always felt like you just get outfished by the private boat fleet because they have everything better. They're way more into it in terms of like they might go fishing for the first time in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's just like we're going to go out. We're just steady. We're consistent. This is what we do. It is what it is. You know, we're not going to re-spool every reel to go fishing. We're not going to redo every leader to go fishing. Like, there's going to be a new hue every five seconds. Yeah. And you will catch more if you completely have fresh gear all the time. But you just cannot do that on a charter boat. It's just impossible. Yeah. Yeah, you'd, you'd, be pulling your, you'd be pulling your hair out trying to do that. Yeah, and you see it, like, even with the chunking, like, the guys that have the fresh bait, and the, like, like the, the freshest bait, they outproduce the guys that are have the frozen crap. But teach his own, really. Yeah, exactly. When you're fishing those sardines, chunking, are you rigging them any special secret way? Or are you just you burying the hook and trying to rig like a flutter bait? Or what are you doing mostly? We don't really do crazy intricate bait rigging for, for uh, the elephants. It's mostly through the eyes or right through the mouth. Like yep. If you can get the elephants in the chum, you, know, you can really get them going. It's very few times where you need to bury your hooks to get the bite. There are times where you have to, but yellow finning, you can get away with a lot more than something like, you know, just tuna fishing. Yeah. Volume of fish right, there. Sorry, blue thing. Right. Volumes, that, especially if you, have, if you have the volume of fish and competitive feed going on, you don't need to get super technical. Yeah, we were talking, right. we were talking to, uh, I don't want to spoil this because his podcast hasn't, actually Mark's is already out, right? It's coming out this end of this week. Yeah, so his podcast hasn't come out, but well, this it will, will air, have this will air after it, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> he was talking about which, which which we've heard this exact same thing from uh, Kenton in Hawaii and a few other guys capitalizing on that first bite chunking. You know, he was talking about how school comes through. You get your first bite while you're chumming 
to make sure that first fish gets to the boat because he feels that if you were to break that fish off or even pull the hook or whatever, that fish can signal to the rest of the school to basically, you know, danger. They don't keep feeding. Have you experienced any of that? Yeah. You know, I think there's, there's situations where that makes a difference. If the fish are going to feed aggressively, it's not going to matter. Like, you know, if you've got 30 fish behind the boat and you hook a double, you lose one. I don't know if you're going to lose the whole school. I think a lot of that's mental too. Yeah. You capture the first fish you, you know, you can execute. It's going to be better for everyone. Um, I've always felt like generally the first bite, it's very rare that the fish just come up behind the boat and savagely eat going from dark to lights out instantly. It's usually you get a one lead and maybe you hook a pair and an hour later you might have another interception. So I think like with that, there's definitely something to be said about that. Um, yeah. 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 He was talking through, you hope to capitalize, you know? Right. Yeah. He was talking, he was specifically talking about night, night fishing and chunking and, you know, capitalizing on that first bite. Right. And Kenton, Kenton was talking about, uh, you know, when they're doing the dangler fishing, when the school comes up and, uh, one of the bigger fish, if one of the bigger fish commits early when the fish first come up to his spread, he said, if he loses that bigger fish, he'll lose the whole school to the point. That's interesting. Yeah. To the point that like he, he was talking about like it was science, like this is what these fish do. And, and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll have finally get the the right school to come up, hook that 80, you know, the, the big guys are catching or what, like, uh, 40 to 100 100 pounders yeah um so generally i mean 90 to 100 pound fish comes up and commits if they pull the hook on the dangler uh the school will go down which is crazy to think about that they're like communicating like that yeah i mean the big eyes are weird like when they come up they come up when they don't they don't um I can't really speak for that because, again, he's fishing a lot of blue water out there. Yeah. Right. Typically fad related. I haven't spoken to him a lot about, you know, what conditions he sees. It's just kind of what I've listened to and and read. Um, I can see how that that all makes sense. But he also needs the volume. We catch one big eye. That's, dude, that's sick. Right. Yeah. You know, he, he has to come in with weight. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. It's true. So he's looking for sort of an ideal setup, which, yeah, sure, it probably makes sense. But I'm not living out there with a sonar on a tuna boat, you know, going from fad to fad to fad. And then when it works out, I mean, you read some of his stories. It's like his entire trip is 10% of the trip. Right. He's made in 10% of the trip. But I suppose it's kind of like tuna fishing when they bite. They bite 10% of the time. Yeah. yeah. Take advantage of that window. What's your favorite canyon to fish? I don't know. I would say like Hudson's home court. It's just, there's so much structure there. You can find something typically, um, but they all work. I mean, when the water's good and the water's pushing, it could be sick. I mean, it's like Jurassic park. You go out East, you can have some really big days when it's good. I mean, we don't typically see these like crazy days 
in the Southern Canyons. Like I've seen like some of the larger big eye bites that you guys have had. And we've been a part of that where you can really put like double digit trips together or catch a half dozen big eyes. And I don't know if that's crowd related. You just, you know, a lot of boats is 20 in those canyons. Like that's like, wow, there's a lot of boats here. I think I can count on Um, one or two hands the amount of times I've seen 20 boats at a canyon like east of Welker. Oh, east of Welker, absolutely. But even east of even east of Beach, yeah. You know, a dozen yeah, I mean, boats seems some... like a lot, and I don't even think there's been that many times of seeing that. Hmm. Versus, like you know, in the Hudson in September and October, you can have hundred fish nights or hundred boat nights, I should say. That's wild. Yeah, that's a big. That's a lot of pressure. Is what it is. Yeah. Some of those late, later trips in November. We were seeing 20 boats out there. Like, what? 20 boats in November? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It is. Did you try deep dropping at all in November? We did. Very limited success. I think we had a couple of fish. It wasn't anything tremendous. The problem there is, like, and this is one of the reasons I say, like, I really I'd love to try it for an extended period of time. The, uh, the daytime windows are so short. It's like you're just chasing yourself the whole time. It's yeah. like nighttime is boring. Right? It's like there's a period just before first light, a couple hours into dark. You know, last light, a couple hours in the dark. And then first couple hours of false light, a couple hours into first light, there, there's activity. And then you have during the day, it's like, oh, hey, can we go tile fishing? You know, and then it's like, okay, eight, eight o'clock, sun rises, sets by four, five, there's your day. Yeah. It's quite yeah, it's short. It is. Super so short. short. I love the fall though. That magic, magic hour at sunset. Like I don't care where the fuck you are in the Northeast. It's like it's us- usually they're biting. Yeah, it is wild. You can almost just like feel that you're gonna get a bite yeah. when the sun's going down in the late fall. Yep. Um, boys, not to not to cut us short because we're not cutting us ourselves short here because we've been going for an hour and 45 almost but um how do we how do people book trips and go through that whole thing dean um cannyrunner.com um info at cannyrunner.com to book trips for the boat um you can find me at facebook and instagram to search my name dean dean lambros awesome simple man cool you guys yeah. are selling a lot of tackle now on your website, or you always have, but it looks like it's been updated and looks nice. We're putting some effort into the tackle, and it's working. It's you know, I, I think tackle sales are good for everybody. So yeah, you know, I can't har- try to be a part of it. I can't harp on that enough. Like the charter guys that are you know branching off and doing tackle, like you guys have been for a while. I know R and R in Florida. We kind of had our own little thing here and there, just simplifying things for guys. I just feel like that's huge having a charter company, you know, dabble in the tackle sales as well. You're not, you yeah, you're know, not selling you're not everything at 45 of the same lure. It's like, right. You, you, you get what you need there and that's it. You, you know, it's, it's interesting. You, you look at it overview. Some companies aren't the biggest fans of a non brick and mortar company getting into it. Some people don't care. You know, I kind of look at it like the paradox of choice is eliminated and it makes it a lot easier for the customer. And at the end of the day, if you can better serve the customer, that's in everyone's best interest. Yeah. Yep. Couldn't agree more. But 
you, you try and do the best you can with what you got. And there's a, a there's a lot of people buying boats, getting into fishing. And I'm just blown away day by day. The more and more people I see doing it, which is great. I think it's great for the sport. We need a next younger generation to get into it. I don't know if you guys are seeing it, but like the shortage of what quality mates that are coming by that are knocking on the door. It's just less and less every year. Yeah, we've witnessed that for sure. And the passion. I mean, it's always <clears throat> we're I feel like we're kind of jaded because we've grown up with it. Like it's a family business. Like our passion is there, obviously. It's why we're doing we're this. We're definitely but, jaded. But it just doesn't seem there. Like the 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 variety of options for new mates and just, you know, wanting to work for nothing to get a spot. It's like it's like not a thing anymore. You know what it is yeah. too, I think. There's so many <clears throat> private boats and there's so many um families that are able to afford these these boats that can, you know, fish the bank or fish the canyons or whatever. So these kids, these younger kids are growing up in it and they're really not having to work to experience it you know they're able to just hop on either a friend's boat or hop on uh their family's boat and do the same thing and they're not like i feel like i feel like the amount of options has just gone through the roof with who they can fish with so they're not necessarily having to you know be a mate or be a captain to experience it anymore you know, does that make any sense? I agree with that. I, I think the, I think by and large, the world has gotten a lot faster. Yeah. Right. The Amazon effect. Everyone wants it now, today. What's taking so long? And there's anxiety when you have to wait for things, right? And I think a lot of people would say, well, you don't need to put the effort in on working on a boat. I can just go with so and so. Yeah. To further your point. Yeah. But. It's a weird time right now. There's a lot of boats out there. There's a lot of demand for people, quality people. It's it's very interesting to me that you just don't see like young kids, younger kids that want to actually learn the process. Right. It's kind of just like, yeah, it's my, oh, I'll just get the crimper. Yeah, the blue handle one. That's cool. Like you, you don't have people that say, I want to understand and put the baits out. I remember when I worked for, for certain guys with giant fishing, especially like, I wanted to go with them to see what they did. I didn't ask questions. I just kind of observed and was like, wow. And once I actually really started to work and fish for myself and earn those bites, I realized all of the little details make such a difference. Yeah. And I don't know how you can replace that um, if you don't put the time in. Yeah. And I don't know how you can replace that fishing with just your family i mean we fish with our family a ton but brian and i each worked on over a dozen boats you know honestly before we worked for the family business we did both hand in hand but yeah dad wouldn't let us because he wouldn't let us he didn't want to be our boss until at the absolute last <laughs> until he absolutely <laughs> had to be <laughs> <laughs> You know, which yeah, I, honestly, and I think is a great thing, you know, working for different people, different programs, expectations, just, you know, networking and, you know, just building, you know, personal skills is huge. Like you don't want to be attached to that right away. I'm glad, I'm glad that we did it the way we did it. Yeah. You know? Sure. Um, but yeah, no, there's definitely a void in young kids that really want to get into it to kind of the level that we have all been talking about. So hopefully 
platforms like this raise awareness and you know get a get a good network of kids in the pipeline so um this has been awesome i know we've been uh it's been fun this was like a no pressure story time you're you're always just just such a pleasure to talk to easy appreciate you guys are cool to talk to you too easy to easy to talk to willing to share knowledge um we appreciate you coming on here as always. And obviously we'll do, we'll do this again. Um, book a trip with Canyon runner. D- Dean gave the info. Let me just end it on OG's three words of wisdom. All right. We're going to end this on our father's three words of fishing wisdom. Remember you can't catch them if you don't have a hook in the water, always trust your instincts. And the last one, you'll just have to keep listening. Stay tight, everybody. Dean, thank you so much, man. Thanks, buddy. That was awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. See ya. You got it. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Seabros Fishing Podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guest, products that we use, or other podcast partners, please check out the description for this episode on our website, seabrosfishing.com. For information on our tail and fish artwork commissions, or to order our hats and other products, please check out our website or shoot us a message on Instagram. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel, give it a like and subscribe. And finally, if you want to book a fishing charter with us on one of the Mass Bay Guides boats, please visit massbayguides.com and call the office to book a trip. We appreciate you all.